Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel and chapter 47, I'm going to talk about the river of God today. This passage speaks about a man leading another man. We can think of the first man as God or an angel and the second man as Ezekiel or or us. So the the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming from from under the threshold of the temple towards the east for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me through the north gate and led me round the outside of the outer gate facing east. The water was flowing from the south side. Okay, so that was a bit wordy and difficult to understand, but here's the crux of what I want to talk about today. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. Can you all say ankle deep? He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. You say knee deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was up to the waist. Say up to the waist. He measured off another thousand cubits, another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? So this morning I want to think about what does this river mean? What's, what, what's this all about? So I want to look at um, the, book, the Gospel of John, where Jesus talked about a river. And Jesus said in John 7, on the, on, sorry, John wrote about Jesus on, in John 7, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And John says then, by this, Jesus meant the Spirit. And so I want to suggest to you that Jesus is here referring to the scripture of Ezekiel. And he's saying that this river is speaking about the Holy Spirit. In the, 90, in the in the 90s, there were a lot of there was a big movement. The spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, was being poured out all over the place, and a lot of churches called this this the movement of the Holy Spirit, the river. Come on, get in the river. We're encouraged to get in the river. And I used to go um, with a group of ladies from King's Church to a camp called River Camp, <clears throat> and we used to have an amazing time. And every time I came back, I was so exhausted. And Peter used to say to me, you're not going next year. You always come back a complete wreck. And the reason that I came back so exhausted was that we'd been camping, not like the camp that we go to um, with the youth group where we, where we cheat and we don't actually camp. We stay in a, in, a girls, um, in a girls' boarding school. But there we were actually camping. And, and the second reason that we were just so exhausted is that we were just enjoying the presence of God so much. We'd stay up until the late hours of the morning or the early hours of the morning just enjoying the presence of God and he would just 
just touched us over and over again and spoke to us. So that was river camp. And the scriptures also talk about, the Psalms also talk about the river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. The psalmist writes in, that's Psalm 46, verse 4. And actually, there's no, the city of God is is Jerusalem, but actually in Jerusalem there is no river. And here the the psalmist is speaking symbolically. The river of God is talking about the, the presence of God making glad the city. And then one of my favorite, well, a a favorite uh, scripture of mine is Psalm 36, verse 8. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them to drink from your river of delights. I think that's such a, a wonderful picture of the river of God and us being able to feast from that river, the river of delights. And the Holy Spirit does give us such delight when we come into his presence. And so in this passage, there are four stages that we go through as we yield ourselves or give ourselves more to the Holy Spirit. Often as Christians, we'll cry out and we say, Oh, Lord, pour out your Spirit. We want more of you. We want, please come and let there be more of you. And whilst there's nothing wrong with praying that, and and we can freely pray that, there's nothing wrong at all. Actually, what we are wanting, what we should be saying, is that we would yield ourselves more, that we would give more of ourselves to him. And as we do that, then, then we connect on that much deeper level with him. But it's about us sacrificing ourselves for him. <clears throat> and so I'm going to suggest some ideas this morning from this passage of how this story from Ezekiel can apply to us today. Sometimes we might think of the presence of God coming and us having a, a fuzzy feeling or feeling the presence of God, and that's all well and good. But actually what we want is that when we're touched by Jesus, we are changed. We're brought nearer to Jesus. We're made more like him. And that's what I want to look at this morning. So firstly, we, um, we saw that the, the water came up to the ankle, was ankle deep. And so that affected the feet. And I want to think about what happens to us when the gospel first, or the Holy Spirit first touches us and um, and our feet go into the water, then it's where that's when we first find Jesus, when the Holy Spirit first touches us and we become convicted of our sin, we understand that we need the Savior. And hopefully, when that happens, then our feet will start going in a different direction from the direction that we have been going until then. I remember when I first found Jesus, I fell completely head over heels in love with him. I understood what he'd done for me. I knew that I'd found the love of my life, the one that I'd been searching for here and there. I'd I'd been looking for him all the days of my life, and suddenly I'd found him. And all I wanted to do was be in church. That's all I wanted to do was be where he was, because at that stage in my life, I didn't know how to pray and and. And now if I want to spend time with the Lord, I can do that at home or I can do that in church. But then at that stage in my Christian world, I could only find him in church. So as soon as the, as the doors opened, I wanted to be through that door. I wanted to be in his presence. I wanted to, to <clears throat> I was just like a teenager in love. I couldn't <clears throat> get enough of being with Jesus. And I, I was speaking to one of my friends from, um, from my old life, if you like, and I said, 
And the church that I was going to, we had um, a healing meeting on, once a month on a Saturday. And then I go to church on Sunday morning. And then church on Sunday night, we go to a different meeting where the Holy Spirit was perhaps moving more. And <laughs> I was just like an addict. I just wanted to, 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 um, to be there with him. And so I was telling this person that I'm going to church Saturday night, Sunday morning and Sunday night. And they said, look, steady on. Don't you think that's a bit over the top? Don't you think that God would be pleased with just one visit a week? And I, I knew what they really wanted to say was he'd probably be happy with just once a month, you know. You don't, but you've just gone completely over the top. You must stop this. It's not good for you. But I didn't care. You know, when you're in love with somebody, you don't want to listen to anybody else. You just want to do your thing. And, and so, obviously, they didn't, didn't affect me. But, but my feet, when I first became a Christian, all they wanted to do was be in church, be there where he was. And then also, we want to, another thing that we do, need to do is go and tell others. So our feet go and tell others. Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. When we bring the good news, often we have to go somewhere to tell other people. Ephesians 6 verse 15 says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, we go to tell other people about the gospel of peace. And that's something else that we often need to do as Christians when we first become a Christian, when our feet first come into the water is sometimes we need to go and make peace with people. Because before we're Christians, we just live selfish lives and we do whatever we want to do. And we don't care about relationships. And sometimes we do need to go and make peace with people. Paul writes in Romans 12, verse 18, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. And so we need to know that all the relationships around us are peaceful ones as far as it is possible as long as it as, as much as it depends on you live at peace with everybody so where's we and we need to as where's we need to go to new places we need to stop also going to old places and we need to break old habits so perhaps before we're christians we go to clubs or go to go out with wrong people it's not wrong people, but people who aren't good for us. And we need to change those kind of habits. Um, in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, Paul was having a chat to the Corinthians. And, he was, and they were saying to him, but I have the right to go anywhere. And I have the right to do anything. And he said, yes, you do. But not everything is good for you. He said, not everything is beneficial to you. And not everything is constructive to you. And you know, we can go anywhere we want. We can, you know, there's, there's, Jesus doesn't say no. He gives us a choice, doesn't he? But in, especially in those early days of being a new Christian, as the waters just come onto our feet, we need to really make good choices. And we need to also help those around us who are new Christians to make good choices. So after we've gone to tell others, once they've made that decision and said yes to Jesus, then we need to help them to go to the right places. Um, in the parable of the, the, the sower, the, the, sorry, the seeds, when the seeds are sown, Jesus said some seeds would be sown onto rocky soil. And the people who received the, the, 
the word at first with joy because their roots um, don't go down deep because they've perhaps not gone to the right places. Perhaps they haven't been in church as much as they could have been or should have been. And because they have no root, they only last a short time. So that's up to us where, that we, as for new Christians, would direct people and their, their feet to go to the right places. I remember a few years ago, we were mentoring a young man who used to come to this church and he was very young and he was kind of, he'd been sent over here um, by his parents so he didn't have much of a support network around him and uh, he could make any choices he, he wanted. He could go anywhere, he really could. He didn't have parental guidance and he was still a young, young man, very young man. And uh, so he used to come to us for help and uh, he, he really struggled in the area of going clubbing. He knew that he, he was really serious about Jesus, but he still struggled. He had a group of friends around him who wanted to go clubbing, and they especially wanted him to go because they knew he was a follower of Jesus, and they wanted to, they wanted to show that that didn't really work in his life, that Jesus didn't really work in his life. And so we prayed with him and, and helped him, and then sometimes he'd come through the back door there with his head held low and say, oh, I've failed again. I've done it again. And all we could say was, well, you know, try again next time. Just say, just try and say no. And, and he would, he'd pick himself up and off he'd go and try again. And, you know, we all have struggles in some areas. We'll all have one particular area or maybe more, but hopefully not too many of where we can be tempted. And that was his area. But we need to protect ourselves. We need to pray. We need to make ourselves accountable to other people. Like he did to Peter and I. When he failed, he came and told us so that we could help to pick him up again. But I want to tell you one thing. that When you have the attitude of wanting to be righteous, when you don't want to sin, you know God's really pleased with that attitude. So rather than hiding from him and saying, Oh no, I failed again. If we say, Lord, please help me not to do that again. Please help me to live a more righteous life. Then that touches God's heart. And he really does help us along those lines to, be, to live that life that he has for us. So that's the first thing. When, the feet, when we first wade into the water, our feet are touched. And we start to go in different things. Jesus said, follow me. So we go and follow him. We follow him to church. We follow him to, to, to be around other people who know him, who love him. And another point is, uh, Phil this morning brought so many different um, ideas in the worship that, that, I'm, that I want to talk about today. We talked about the river. We talked about dancing. That's another thing that we sh- might want to do if we, if the, when the river touches our feet or when the water touches our feet. We want to dance. We can't keep still because we know who he is, because we know what he's done for us. And uh, there's a song, isn't it, <laughs> Over the Mountains and the Sea. And uh, there's a, a line in that that says, oh, I feel like dancing. And <laughs> often nobody really feels like dancing. They're just saying it. <laughs> they're just singing it. But really, when we really know what Jesus has done for us, then we can't keep still. We want to dance because he's, he's so wonderful. Okay, and then, I don't know if you remember, but the second point that you, you repeated after me was that when the water came up to his knees, then, then what happened then? And when I think about knees, I think about prayer. And praying on our knees is a very biblical thing to do. But we don't always have to 
I just want to think about prayer now rather than us thinking we have to pray on our knees. But two men of God from the Bible knelt as they prayed. Ephesians 3.14, Paul writes, just before he was about to say a beautiful prayer for the Ephesians about love and the fullness of God, he was so serious about that prayer, he wanted to kneel before God. And he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. And sometimes when we want to bring something really that's precious to us, that's, that's important, sometimes it's a really good idea to, to kneel before the Father. It just shows that you're serious, a bit more serious. And then King Solomon, 1 Kings 8, 54. When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out towards, out towards heaven. That's a lovely picture of someone kneeling and just being open to God. And um, Jesus gave us quite clear instructions about prayer. So now I want to talk about prayer rather than, rather than thinking, oh, we have to kneel when we pray. When we pray. But Jesus instructed us to pray. And he said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And I just want to share a little bit of a, a testimony of mine here. Last year, it was about this time last year, Peter and I went to see a flat in Cambridge that we wanted to buy. And we went through and we started the process about this time last year. They were, we were busy haggling over the price. And um, if, if anyone's bought a house, then you'll know what I'm talking about. It's such an involved process. It's, um, we redid the whole place. We thought about what carpet. Uh, so my, all of my free time was, was spent thinking of what carpets are we going to have? What curtains are we going to have? Will the solicitor ever contact us or do we always have to be the one to contact them? And all these difficult things that you have to think of when you're, when you're buying a house. Anyway, eventually we moved in and then I went on a missions trip. We had lots of work done in the house. Mirak came and redid our, um, our bathroom and our kitchen. We're having work done in the house. And we're just, so I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is that every free second I had was taken up with something. And we also, as a church, were reading through the Bible, so we were reading four chapters of the Bible every day. And somehow, in all of this, I neglected my prayer life. And I suddenly came to a point where I realized, where I realized I find it so difficult to come before God. And to, to I was obviously still praying. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I had some sort of blockage and some difficulty. And looking back on it, I came to the point where I thought, right, I just got to force myself to come to before God and pray. And so I did that. And, and after that, I had a real breakthrough. But thinking about it afterwards, what had happened is I'd moved from my old place of prayer to a new place of prayer. And I hadn't established that place where I was going to meet God in my new house. And um, I don't have a room that I go and lock myself in. Some people say you've got to have a closet. I meet God in my living room, but on my own. And that's where I meet God. And I had to actually come into that place and say, Lord, this is the place where I want to meet with you on a daily basis. This is my, going to be my routine in this place, I want to come and meet you. And I want to ask you today, 
where is the place where you meet God? Do you have an established place where you say, this is my place. When I come here, Lord, I know you're going to be here because that's what, that's what Jesus told us. He's going to be there. He's waiting for you when you come to pray. And um, so now I have always wonderful times when I come because I've established that place. And I think that's a really important principle for us to have, that when we go to pray, we go into that special place, that secret place. It's just you and God. And I know some, some of you have very, very busy homes with kids everywhere. And perhaps the only place where you can meet with God is in the bathroom because there you can go and shut the door. But just find that place. Say, this is the place where it's just you and me, Lord. And I want to have that relationship with you, that closeness with you. And he will meet you in that place. And then I want to bring another idea this morning. And uh, I know you all know what I'm about to tell you, but stay with me because I want to bring something special at the end of that. So I'm going to go back to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. And uh, we know from uh, Genesis 3, 8, 3 verse 8 that um, God came and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And that was their time with God. They had a special time with him. They communed with him. He created them because he wanted a relationship with them. That's why he created man. But we know the story. They sinned, and so they broke that relationship, and they were banished from the Garden of Eden. There were even angels put to guard, so they couldn't come back in. And time went on, and God really missed his relationship with man. And so, just as we've been thinking about this morning at communion, Jesus was the answer. And if Jesus would come and um, be that sacrifice to, to, to lift that separation from man and God, if, if he would come, then all would be well and we'd be able to have relationship with God again. And so, we all know that that's what happened. And now, praise God, we can come in to have relationship with God. But what I want us to think about this morning was how precious and how much of a sacrifice that was for, for God first to send his son and how much of a sacrifice that was for Jesus to make. And I wanted us to think about perhaps two friends who grew up together in Brazil. They lived in poverty. And one of them managed to make their way over to the UK and he worked really hard. He worked three jobs. And he gave everything he had to buy a house. And he managed to succeed. And he bought this house. And he finished paying for it. And he had a wife and children. And he really and he lost contact with his friend back in, back in Brazil. But somehow through the internet, they managed to get back in touch again. And the, uh, his friend in Brazil said, I really want to come and uh, live with you in the UK. It sounds like you've got a great life. I want to come and, and do that and come and be with you. And the only way that he could do that was that for his friend to put money down for, um, for the government to be sure that this man could, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't drain the resources of the UK. And uh, so the, the man in the UK sold his house. He, his, this relationship with his friend from Brazil was so important to him. He loved him so much that he said, it's okay, the house is only a material thing. I will sell that 
And I, just because I want you near me. I, you're my best friend, and I want to have you near me. And so the man sold his house, and, then, and both the friends were, were reunited. And they had great joy in, that re, in being reunited, but they both had to go and live back in poverty because of the sacrifice that the, the, the first friend had made. And after a while... What happened was that the, the, sec- the second man to come to the UK, he got so um, enamored with all the materialism of the UK that he stopped going to visit his friend. And he didn't really... They, they see each other sometimes, but it wasn't that regular close relationship that the first man had sacrificed his house for. And I wonder how much we do that with God. How Do we really value the sacrifice of Jesus. I could have said to this morning, well, would you sacrifice your, you know, think, bring about sacrificing our son, but our children, but we'd never do that. So that's why I gave the story of sacrificing our house, something valuable to us. But Jesus sacrificed, but God sacrificed his one and only son for us so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we could come back into the Garden of Eden, back into that amazing place, so that we could come and drink from the river of delights, so that we could come and uh, have communion with him daily in that secret place that we have. And that's what... Recently, I just had a fresh revelation of that, and I just want to value that sacrifice that that God made for me in, in... in Jesus. And this morning I prayed, Lord, would you make me value you as much as you value me? Would I value our relationship as much as you value my relationship with you? And I want us this morning to just consider that, just ponder on it. Do we really value our relationship with God? Do we really understand that he wants to be with us? Do we really understand that he loves us, that every time he looks at us, it moves his heart? Do we value that precious relationship with our Father? And so I want to give you that challenge to think about now, challenge to go away, go home with, that when we come to prayer, when we come and talk to God, because prayer is not about a, a list, a shopping list of what we want. I need this, I need that, I need the other. It's about a relationship with Almighty God who paid the highest price that could ever be paid in his son Jesus for us. Let's value him. Let's value what he did for us. Let's value uh, that relationship. Uh, We ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the greatness of that truth because it is such a great truth. So, First, about prayer, let's establish a place where we meet with God and let's value his love for us, his, that relationship that we, we have with him. Amen. Also, thinking about knees, um, Philippians 2 verse 10 says that one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. One day that's going to happen. And fortunately for us, we've bowed our knees before that ultimate day. But I want to just say that there's a difference between believing that Jesus is our Savior and having accepted him as, 
as, uh, for taking away our sins. And, another, and it, we go up, up another level when we make him Lord of our lives. Um, when we make, it, make him Lord of our lives, then we bow our knee even further to him. and We make him the leader of our lives. In Matthew 7, right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that, the, that he talked about two men who built their lives on, on one on the rock and one on the sand. And the one that um, built his house on the sand, sorry, on the rock, was the one who obeyed everything that Jesus had, t- had taught. And that's what happens when we, when we make him Lord of our lives, then we have to obey everything that he teaches us. And so sub- when I think of knees, I think of prayer, but also submission. And we have to submit to the Lord and make him Lord. He is Lord, and so we must make him the Lord of our lives, individual lives. Okay, and then we come to the river, or the water. It's still the water. It's not yet a river. It's come up to our waste area. And when we think of this area, we could call it the loins, and we could think about reproduction. hope that doesn't offend anybody. But as Christians, we need to reproduce ourselves. And firstly, we think of reproducing ourselves in evangelism. I recently read a book that really challenged me. Um, and there was a question that said, if you had 60 minutes left to live before the destruction of the earth, what would you do? And, well, I know what I'd do. I'd say to Peter, I'll see you there, because I know where I'm going. I know I'm going to glory, and I know he's going to glory, so I don't need to say any more than that. I'll, I'll see you there. And then I'd get on the phone to every person I knew who didn't know Jesus, and hopefully by then we'll have the technology and press one button and speak to, speak to everybody in your phone book. And I would plead with them, plead with them, get yourself right with God, accept Jesus. And I wouldn't care what they thought about me. I wouldn't care if they thought I'd gone nutty, or if they thought I'd lost my mind, I just want to say everything I had, pour out all the truths about the gospel, and that's what I want to do. And, you know, we have to keep that fine balance between people not saying now, or oh, you're a lunatic, and, or, and never wanting to hear from us again, but also keeping in balance the fact that we that souls must be saved. That's why we're here, still here on the earth. That's why an evangelist didn't come along, save you, and then shoot you, <laughs> go off to heaven. And we're still here because we have work to do, and we have to bring the good news to those who don't know about Jesus. It is a fine balance, and most of us have had the experience of telling people about Jesus and being rejected, and so we hide. We don't want to do it anymore. But really, there's so much in us that, that wants to share our faith. And sometimes we just need to pray that the Lord will make us bold and the Lord will give us wisdom as well in how to share our faith. Okay, and then also in reproducing ourselves, we can think about discipleship, discipling others. Jesus said it was one of the final things that he said to his disciples in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, there we are again, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And in John 15, Jesus said, You did not choose me, 
but I chose you. I always think that's such a lovely thought. We didn't choose Jesus. He chose us. And he chose us and appointed us to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And uh, yesterday, just during the, during the um, uh, international evening or the connect night, we were just talking about fruit trees. And um, fruit trees, they bring fruit once a year. And the Bible says that we'll bring fruit in due season. But all throughout the year, the tree is working. The tree is drawing up moisture from the soil, producing flowers, which go on to produce the fruit. And I just want to encourage anybody who's here at the moment and is going through a, a time where they feel like they're not bearing that fruit that Jesus said that we must, that we must bear. We do go through seasons, different seasons, but all of the time we must be drawing from God. But we're not supposed to be um, producing that fruit all of the time, not all year round. Remember the tree, the fruit tree produces fruit once a year. Well, when um, last year, um, Jaron and I um, took the youth on a youth camp and uh, we were encouraged there as leaders to um, come, when we came back, to start a mentoring program with the youth. And uh, so, I, so we did that. And uh, fortunately for me, I had a much easier task than Jeremy did because you know what? Girls like to talk <laughs> and boys don't. And so poor Jeremy's been <laughs> trying to get together this, these, these boys and they're going, what are we going to talk about for an hour? <laughs> but I've got the girls and they like to talk. And we've, so the, for the last six, six months, I've been this little group of girls, I've been mentoring them. And just last Saturday, we decided we're going to start a new group of, of, of those girls who are really serious about Jesus, which they are. And we've decided to call them sh- their group Shine, because their aspiration is that they will shine for Jesus. We, I asked them all, what do you want to do? And they've all, they all want to go to university. And that, that's the first thing. But the second thing they say, they all want to extend the kingdom. They all want to do work for, for God. They want to preach the gospel. It was such a, an amazing time just to hear what they want to do. And so we call them shine because they're going to so let their light shine that men will see their good deeds and praise their Father in heaven. It was a wonderful group of young ladies who are going to serve in the kingdom. And so what... I'm trying to do at the moment is just pour everything that I know into these young lives and pass on everything that the Lord has put into me. And I really want to see Christ formed within them. It's so easy for them to quickly meet uh, the wrong person and go off in the wrong direction. So for now, whilst I've got them, and may they be with me a long time, I want to just keep on pouring everything that I have into them. But we all reproduce after our own kind. We all influence people and they are influenced either for good or for not so good. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. It's always good to keep a check on us. Are we good company? <laughs> or are we, do we have bad characters? I know sometimes things can creep in. And, uh, but we need to keep stamping on those things. No, I won't gossip. No, I won't um, do this, this or that. We have to always keep a very tight rein on our tongues. It's not easy for anybody. Job's wife in Job 2 verse 9 said, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. She wanted to influence 
um, Job with what was rising up out of her, that person that I told you about right at the beginning who said, no, you're crazy, you're going to church three times in a weekend. He wanted to influence me, say no, but he couldn't influence me. <laughs> no chance. But when we spend time with each other, we become like the people that we spend time with. Sometimes I'll, I'll be praying with Peter and I'll catch myself I hear oh I just said something exactly the same as Peter would have said and prayed and there's nothing wrong with that but it's just what happens we become like the people we spend time with when um with Peter myself and Emily are together then we will um then Peter will say oh you're so alike and I can't see it at all can't see anything uh, like of Emily and myself but other people can see it other people um see these things and so I want to ask us today, who are we influencing and are we influencing those people for good? And who's influencing us too? That's very important. And do we need to cut off some relationships that aren't good, aren't good for our walk with Jesus? Okay, so we're going to just pop back to the text of Ezekiel 47, verse five, verses 5 and 6. And we're going to conclude by reading this. So the, God, um, the angel measured off another thousand, but now it was a river. Now the water had become a river. And it was a river I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. So here we see the river has taken control of the man. He was no longer in control. And the man was taken into God's will. He was swept away by the river. And many of us want God's will. We want to know, what, Lord, what is your will for me? And we spend hours crying out, Lord, show me what your will is for me. But if we'll allow God to be God, Lord of our everyday lives, then we can't help but be swept into that, into the river and into, into the plan that he has for, for us, into the will that he has for us. So in this story, the angel, or God, led the man into, um, he led the man, he was led. And we need to be led too by God. And perhaps this morning you want to, you're sitting there and you're getting frustrated and you're saying, but I can't stop going to certain places. And I can't stop this relationship that I have with this person. And I can't pray. Perhaps you come to that place where I was, where I hadn't established that place, in, that place of prayer. I can't do it. Perhaps you can't let God be in control. Perhaps you can't kneel before him and say, God, have your way. But what you can do this morning is you can ask him to come and help you. You can ask him to lead you into that place where you can do all of those things. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.